0: Let's pray together. Our Father, we have reminded each other in song this morning of our entire dependence upon you and you alone, that you are a God. Christ is our Savior. The Holy Spirit is our strength. Your word brings us instruction on how to please our God. Reminds us of your grace to us, your gifts to us, your protection of us, your love for us. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would be pleased to open up our hearts to respond and receive what you have for us today. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. Teach us to follow the ways of the Lord. Teach us, O God, to be grateful for what we have and to invest what we have in the things of God, I pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, back earlier this year when The Canadian government made the reckless choice to freeze bank accounts in this country. Literally millions of dollars fled the country, leaving never to come back. As investors decided to protect their treasure and put it somewhere else. Now that's not a new concept, people have been doing that. Investing offshore for quite some time. It's Jesus who said in the scriptures that the people of this world are more shrewd with their investments than the people of God. For the last several weeks, we've been studying about the dangers of loving the praise of this world. There's a connection to where we're going this morning, of course, as the sermon continues, as Jesus continues to make the point that those fond of praise, praise of man, are usually on a quest for earthly riches as well. The two kind of run hand in hand. If you love the praise of man, you will usually love the possessions of this world because those bring praise. The measure of success in this world is riches and fame. And shipwrecks spiritually are invariably those who have allowed things to master their lives. We have a history of that in the scriptures. I mean, go back to the Old Testament, right following the great victory in uh, Jericho, and the spoils of victory were strewn all over, Achan decided that he would take a Babylonian garment, a block of gold and some silver, and hide it under his tent. In spite of the fact that they were told that all the spoils were to be devoted to God. God would later on grant them spoils of victory when he decided, but not this one. And so Achan chose material things as treasure over his devotion to God. In the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, which was theirs to sell, and apparently were more interested in the praise of men because they gave the proceeds or some of the proceeds of the land, invested in the the brand new movement of the church, but acted like it was the entire thing even though they could have kept some for themselves if they wanted. There's constantly a draw, a pull, a temptation on us with respect to material things. How many people, let me ask you a question, how many people do you know who became spiritually better as they became more and more wealthy? Not many, if any. So this lesson today is a beware. Turn in your Bibles if you have them and if you don't, look over at someone else or open up your phone and find the Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. Matthew six nineteen. Do not... Store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal or the Canadian government freezes your bank account. (laughs) It's not there, but I think it's in the thieves section. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's a pretty categorical statement made by Christ himself. This is the word of God. So, I think all of us can admit that material things are always in competition with spiritual things. We fight that fight. That is the fight of our lives. We know that, particularly when you live in a country like we live where possessions, there are great, the opportunities are great. We have options. So what are the goals that you have set for your life? What treasure have you stored and where is it stored? We all have it. Possessions, unless a means to an end, can become an obstacle to the things of God in our lives. So your treasure is either the things of earth or the things of heaven. There have been some interesting commentary on such things as this by one commentator in Bruner. He says, every day the world turns over on someone who was just sitting on top of it. G.K. Chesterton made some snide remarks about money when he said, to be clever enough to get all of that money, one must be stupid enough to want it. There are two ways to have enough money. One is to acquire more, the is to desire less. The danger that Jesus points out here in this text is the danger of a divided heart, the danger of loyalty that moves away from the Lord to material things. Buddha's solution is to rid oneself of all desires. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach a redirecting of our desires. God has given us desires. It's foolish to think that you can rid yourself of all desires. That's not what God has in mind. God teaches us to direct and focus our desires on God. That would be, that's what we've been singing about this morning. Focusing our desires on God that we might not have a divided heart. Because the real question of the text this morning is, where is your heart? Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, my question to you this morning is, and his question to you is, where is your heart? On the things of earth or the things of heaven? And it has everything to do with how you invest. So, Jesus calls us to direct our desires to more sustainably glorious outcomes, which John Piper, who's been criticized over this phrase, calls Christian hedonism. I'm not one of his critics about that phrase because I absolutely think that's what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is not teaching us to not have treasures. He's teaching us where to store them, (laughs) Make sure you gather your treasures, but make sure you know where to store them. That's that's what Jesus is teaching. It's a redirecting of our desires. And those who ignore Jesus are in danger of losing everything. Those who obey Jesus are guaranteed to keep everything. How many of you want to keep all of your treasures? I saw one hand. If you don't want to keep all of your treasures, this isn't going to be a very significant uh, section of Scripture for you. Jesus is teaching you how to keep all of your treasures. Because Jesus wants His people to be shrewd investors. Okay. So for those of you, the two or three who want to succeed in this, There are three investment strategies that disciples of Jesus are commanded here to embrace. Okay? Three strategies that are com- Jesus commands us to embrace. Possessions will either ruin you or advance your heavenly standing. How you use material things, including yourself. You are a material thing. Your abilities, your gifts, your contribution as a person. You are part of this investment. Not, not just the things you have, but you as what, what Jesus Christ, what the Lord has invested in you, makes you an investment in the things of God. So don't think just money here, think you. Think everything about the physical world, the material world. Write goals drive right desires and right conduct. Remember that. As we, as we go through this, right goals, if we get our goals right, we will have right drives. And if we have right drives, we will have right conduct. This is what Jesus is going to show us here. So what's ruling your heart these days? Affecting your goals, driving your desires, controlling your conduct, Jesus says, don't let it be earthly treasures. So here's what he says in verses 19 to 21, I think. Make, summarized, make heavenly investing the treasure you stockpile. Make heavenly investing the treasure you stockpile. Do not stockpile, he says, treasures on earth Rather, stockpile treasures in heaven. That's what he's saying here in the text, right? That's what says. Is this investment that I'm making ultimately going to increase my heavenly account or just my earthly one? That's the question we need to ask of every investment we make. Is this ultimately going to increase my heavenly account? Making money, even lots of it, isn't viewed as a problem, as the problem, Honestly making money, lots of it, isn't viewed as the problem here. It's where you stockpile it. It's where you store it. It's whether or not you are storing it up for the purpose of investing in the things of this world or whether or not you are investing it in the things of heaven. That's under question here. If you are stockpiling the things, uh, the the investments you have, the material wealth you have in the things of this world, it is super risky, Jesus says. You are risking your investments. You are risking them on nature, which just naturally destroys stuff, on time which erodes things. As we sit here today, our money is being eroded by 8% just by sitting here today. And by sinful people who will take your money from you. It's super risky to invest in the things of this world. Anybody who has been investing in anything in this world knows that markets drive our investments mostly down these days it's also super short-sighted to invest in the things of this world you spend 65 or 70 years working like crazy to enjoy the fruit of all of that for 8 to 12 years of the worst years of your life does that make any sense at all to anybody It betrays a thin hold on spiritual desire, if any, because investing your treasures on earth is what pagans do. How, how are we different? We are to be different. In fact, in the next two sections, which I'll just give you a hint of, uh, investing things in this world show an inner darkness in us. Not only that, it shows that we might be idolaters. Worshiping the God Mammon. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. Do you know that even good and godly investments can become just earthly? If I am preaching here this morning just for the praise of you, My investment is just earthly. There there is nothing, I'm making no investment whatsoever in heavenly treasure. If my great concern is what you think of what I'm preaching, what you think of me, I'm just making an investment in earthly things, even though I'm doing a good thing. Or teaching a Sunday school class. or. Singing a song up here or in the musical team, whatever. If you're do, doing this just, just so people can see you or people can praise you or people can think, oh, what a wonderful voice you have, you're just making an earthly investment. If we just evangelize it, if we're, if we're doing these day camps uh, all week long and all, so that we can just come back and tell you, guess what? Six kids got saved. And, and we want you to ooh and ah about the number. We're just making an earthly investment. I mean, if, if, you, if you have a passion, if your passion, your great desire is to be a reader, you love to read books. And that's your passion, read books. Reading books is a good thing. Reading the right kind of books, mind you, it's a good thing. What happens if you go blind? If that's your passion, if God is our passion, though, if Christ is our passion, if I preach for the passion because I'm passionate about Christ, or you teach Sunday school because you're passionate about Christ, we evangelize children because we're passionate about Jesus, then, and you read books about Christ because you're passionate about Christ if you go blind you still have Christ that's laying up treasures in heaven you see if, if our treasure is what we do for the glory of God we're laying up treasure in heaven now, some people say you know I am I work and make money so that my family will be better off than I was. I'm making a better social standing for myself, for my family. But your family never sees you because you work like crazy. What kind of an investment is that in your children's lives? And ultimately, as Luther who poked holes in this noble argument said no one is satisfied with his possession his position in life you work like crazy to leave all kinds of money to your children it will never be enough for them so what really are treasures in heaven how how can we define as jesus says Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. The best offshore money is put in heaven. But what is particularly treasures in heaven? Here's a definition I want to try on you. Here's what I think it is. Every act of obedient loyalty to Christ for the glory of God alone is treasure in heaven. Every act of obedient loyalty to Christ for the glory of God alone is treasure. As one commentator puts it, eternity will reveal how rich God's grace has made someone. Let me give you a couple of texts to sort of corroborate what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, verses 10 to 15. By the grace God has given me. (laughs) That phrase is so important. Everything you and I have Everything you and I make, everything you and I are able to make by the abilities that God, is by the grace of God, right? So, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If your treasure, the amount of your investment in heaven will be revealed at the end by Jesus. And you will be rewarded according to that. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. No one here should want to be saved by the nick of a flame. Over in Philippians 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul talks about those who had given him gifts. And he talks, and he says, that, he says this, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. There is a record in heaven of our investments in the things of God that are kept. This, this accounting, this investing is kept. This is why Jesus says, invest your treasures in heaven because they are they're, they're protected, they're kept account of and you'll be rewarded for them. Those investments are waiting for you. And it's not just money. In fact, it's not money often. It's you and your obedience to Christ and what you do and and what you say for Christ. Those are all investments that are laid up in heaven. Your praise of Him, your gathering here and worshiping Him this morning and, and for the glory of God alone is an investment you made in heaven today. You laid up treasure in heaven today. And it's accumulating there, beloved, and, and the rewards are waiting for you. Jesus, he, he came from heaven. He knows. He's telling us. He's giving us insider information here about the way things work. So remove earthly possessions as the goal and redirect all of your possessions to following Jesus as the goal. And obeying him, every act of obedient loyalty to Christ for the glory of God alone is a treasure laid up, focusing on the pleasure of God and how you receive it. Remember Eric Lydell, going way back in the Olympics, refused to run on Sunday because he felt that it would be an affront to his God. It would not please God. And when he was explaining his running, he said, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. He was living his life. He was running. (laughs) He was using his athletic ability for the pleasure of God. This is investing in heaven, investing our treasure, investing his body in pleasing the Lord and laying up treasure in heaven. So according to how you are investing your treasure, you this morning, according to how you are investing your treasure, your life, what is your passion? Just do an audit of the way you are investing, If, if you're describing yourself, the way you're investing your life, your treasure... What is your passion? What if an outside auditor were invited to come in and do an audit on your life? Two things they would ask for. Your checkbook and your calendar. To determine how you're investing. So Jesus now gives an illustration to help us to understand or to note how important it is to intentionally think about these things, to to live our lives prioritizing Christ intentionally by saying the eye is the lamp of the body. Verse 22, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's how I would summarize these few verses. This is a second of Jesus' commands. Laser your focus on activities that fill your whole life with light. Now, in this matter of investing, in this matter of treasures, in this matter of bringing glory to God, our eyes matter. What we look at Matters what we want to look at, what catches our eye, and Jesus is saying shrewd investors look at things that fill their life with light, they look for things to fill their life with light on purpose, they look for ways to live. To fill their life with light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will just be filled with darkness because you won 't look for ways to fill your life with light. Now, how can we describe this is, is what light is allowed to get into your body on a daily basis? Is it a Macy's catalog or God's word? Where are your your eyes lasered most of the time? Is it in the financial post or day trader journal if there was such a thing? Or on a Child sponsorship application. These, these are the eye choices. Where am I focusing my eyes for investment? It doesn't just happen. This is, intentionally has to happen in your life. To laying up treasures in heaven. Are there a lot of Material things in the way of your sight lines to God? Like how many post-it notes are over your eyes? Post-it notes of a trip, post-it notes of something you want to buy, another post-it note of that, a post-it note of this. How, how many post-it notes until your eyes are covered and you can't see anything but darkness? How hard is it for you to even see heavenly treasure? You're so preoccupied with all the things of this world. You know everything about your hobby but virtually nothing about the scriptures. Good eyes... Have an unobstructed view of spiritual investments. Good eyes. Have an unobstructed view of spiritual investments. You have keen eyes. You you can spot a spiritual investment from a mile away. And you act upon it. You invest in it. Jesus makes this sober point here. This is a very, very heart wrenching point he makes. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's the thing people who have spiritual eyesight have it because they already have the light of Christ in them, and they go hunting for more light. Look for light. Look for evidence of Christ. Look for investments in Christ because their light from within, Christ from within, is opening their eyes to light. But Jesus, Jesus says, if you can't do that, maybe it's because you have no light in you and there's only darkness there. And how, he says, how dark. How great is that darkness if there is no light in you? Do you even want to see? And finally, he makes this final command statement. No one can serve two masters, verses 24 and verse 24. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devoted, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's how I would summarize this. Settle on Jesus as your sole master, an entire investment strategy. Who or what am I serving through this investment? Here's why all of this goes off the rails many of us want jesus but we also want a worldly side hustle and jesus declares that that is impossible okay the word in the words in english aren't strong enough when Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, and when he says, you cannot serve both God and money, English sounds kind of lame. You cannot, oh, okay. Jesus actually says, it's not possible. Now, okay, because we want to debate this. We want to say, I, yes, I can. I, I can juggle this thing. I can have Jesus and I can have my stuff too. I'm doing it. I, I I can make this happen. When Jesus says something is not possible, who are we to debate him? He does not concur. He says you cannot. See, we want Jesus for heaven and we want a mistress for our pleasures. Jesus said no. You cannot, you cannot have this. It's interesting. I'm not sure what translation you have. Mine says money. The NIV says you can't serve both God and money. The real world word is mammon under whatever translation. It's an Aramaic word that Jesus actually used. We know for for a fact that Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. That's what he said. Now, it's an interesting, there's an interesting linguistic development, and I see we have a few moments Unusually, I have a few moments to do a sidebar with you here. But there's an interesting linguistic development with this word mammon. Mammon was a common word, ancient word that was used. And it used to be used in a good way. It used to be used to entrust something to someone. that Give you mammon. And I can entrust it to you because you're reliable. So I can, give, I can give my mammon to you because you're reliable. It's a, it's a word to entrust to someone. But as it moved along, it developed into something that people trust in. It completely flipped. It went from being able to be entrusted with something to now being a word that described what people were trusting in. Trusting in mammon it eventually developed into a word that had a capitalized letter to begin it. It used to be a small letter. It went to a capitalized letter, mammon. By the time Jesus was using the word, it was no longer just something you trust in, but he was using it in the form of a God. Material things, which Jesus is describing now, have become idols in people's lives that are in the way of serving God. So when Jesus said, you can't, it's not possible for you to serve God and the goddess Mammon, he was making a completely logical statement. You can't, he was actually referring to the commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You can't have... Multiple gods in your life. And he's going to go on and describe why, wh- what happens when you do. You can't serve God and another god. And material things in your life, if not invested in heaven, become idols. They become mammon. They become God, You may think you can juggle the two loves, but you can't. Martin Lloyd-Jones tells of a story of a farmer who had two calves. One was white and one was brown. He brought them home and said to his wife, I have two calves. One is uh, brown and one is uh, white. One is going to be for God and one is going to be for us. And she said, which one is for God? And he said, you know what? We'll raise both of them together. And when we sell them, we'll decide which one is God's. Okay. So one day he walks in with a very sad face and he says to her, God's calf died. And she said, I thought we didn't know yet which one was God's calf. And he said, oh, yes. I decided that it was the white one. And the white one has died. God's calf is dead. The sad fact is this. In our lives, God's calf always dies. Unless you prioritize your investing in the things of God, and you leave it to however it shakes out, I can assure you that God's calf will always die. If you allow market forces to dictate your spiritual life, you will cool off spiritually. And here's why. Here's what Jesus said. Here's here's the measurements. With this, we'll conclude. Here's the measurements. How can I know? How can you know if I might be in jeopardy here? How can I know that maybe I'm trying to juggle two gods, trying to serve God and serve mammon? How can I know? Jesus tells us here, if you try to do this, you try to serve two masters, you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Here's how you can tell. You will hate one. You will start resenting God. If, if your heart is in trouble in this matter, you will start resenting God for what you aren't getting or what he's not giving to you. And you will despise, you will start having trouble believing in much of God or his instructions. And you will start to justify the reason your heart is drifting away from him. And you will become devoted to the real God you worship, which is a God of material things. One of those two things will happen to you. If you are trying to serve mammon and God, you will begin to resent God. It'll show up because you will resent the fact that he's not giving you what you want or you think you deserve. Or you will start to despise his word. You will stop believing. And once you are serving him with a passion... You will stop believing that it matters to serve him. You will stop believing that it matters to follow his instructions. Because your heart is stealing you away. And you're justifying it. And you will eventually fully worship the God who you're really passionate about. Which are the things of this world. Mammon is a modern idol of an alternative religion of affluence Investing in the material world Which will move invariably to spiritual apathy? I asked the question How many of you have seen people who as they become increasingly wealthy become increasingly spiritual? and most of you I mean you sat quietly but you didn't leap up and say, I know of people. And ultimately, if not arrested, it leads to apostasy. Serving fully mammon and not the Lord and eternally perishing. Wait a minute, I thought salvation was preserved for all eternity. Yes, it is, if you have it. Jesus said, what if the darkness inside of you is because you don't have any light? What if the reason that you're not investing in heaven is because you don't have any light? What what if the reason you're not looking for spiritual investments is because you don't have any light in you? having touched and tasted and witnessed of Christ. There is a perilous God tempting each and every one of us, which is particularly acute in a society like ours that's affluent, where so much of the world's wealth is low-hanging fruit just available for us, distracting us, tempting us, pulling us in this direction, pulling us away from God. And all of us know that all of this wealth and all of this affluence requires all kinds of management and all kinds of energy and all kinds of effort that is stolen away from investing in the things of God. And you and I know and we watch weekly people disappear from the things of God, disappear from the community, walk away, wander away, once passionately committed to serving the Lord, but somehow they've disappeared because the draw of material things, the draw of ownership of things has pulled them away from the pure passion for the things of Jesus Christ and spiritually investing in treasures in heaven. We know, we see it. And we are razor thin ourselves in terms of being tempted away from these things. So make it your priority and your passion to serve Jesus and Jesus alone. And invest in heaven. Be a shrewd investor. Father, please help us this morning. You have given us the best of wealth knowledge in this small text none of us here can say you didn't tell us you've told us you've told us about the security of investing treasures in heaven now it's up to us Lord it's up to us to do a personal audit of our own situations and ask the question, am I investing the vast majority of what I have in this world? Or am I using the things of this world that you have graced me with to lay up treasures in heaven? Looking for spiritual investments. I pray, O oh God, that we will, by the work of your Holy Spirit, make the changes in our life now to be shrewd investors for then for the glory of God amen I hope and pray that that, um, as we were singing that that's a testimony of our heart because the thing loved ones listen the things of this world are ravenous and demanding And if if you passively allow things of this world to be in competition with the Lord, the Lord's calf always dies. So let's let's be very careful about our investing. And let's open our eyes to spiritual investments. Let's lay up treasure in heaven where it is secure for all eternity. Our Father, we ask this morning that you would move our hearts to another level of passion for Christ. And that, Lord, by the powerful work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, you would chip away at the areas we have failed Help us, Lord, to redirect as Christ commands us to redirect the grace of the things that you give us into pleasing the Lord, obe- obeying you, laying up treasures in heaven for Jesus' sake.